Hebrews chapter 6, as we continue to make our way through God's Word as it's found in the book of Hebrews. This evening we're taking the section of Hebrews 6, 13 through 20. Hebrews 6, 13 through 20. Let us hear then the breathed out Word of God to us this evening. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes, an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. So that by two unchangeable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. It's for the reading of God's word. Let's again bow in prayer. Father, what a privilege it is that we live in a country where we, where we can still carry our Bibles openly to church. We can open them up, read the word together, and now listen to the sermon. Father, we ask that you be with Pastor Bob as he helps us and guides us through his Hebrews 6 and, and so that we might learn ever more about our Christ, our Savior, our Holy Comforter. All this we ask in Christ's name, amen. Amen. So three things as we look at this passage, uh, uh, dividing it up. We'll look first of all at a reminder about Abraham. That's where the writer of Hebrews takes us and certainly he would. We've talked about the fact of the importance of the covenant, the covenant promise that is made. And certainly as he's writing to these uh, folks who are Hebrew by race, Jewish by race, Abraham being the father of the Jewish people, of the Hebrew nation, certainly would be center point. So there is, first of all, a reminder of Abraham. Secondly, there is a teaching about God. And thirdly, there is a promise that we find in Christ in this passage. First of all, then, a reminder of Abraham. Verses 13 and 14 the author reminds us of a promise, a promise that God made to Abraham. A promise that what we have here is the quote, surely I will bless you and multiply you, is found in Genesis chapter 22, verse 17. But it is simply a repetition of many others that have gone before. It's a repetition of other passages, other promises that God made to Abraham. Certainly, we go back to Genesis chapter 12 
as well, that first promise that God made. Abraham, at that particular time, was 75 years old. Kind of keep that in the back of your mind. When God first comes to Abraham at Ur of the Chaldees and tells him, I'm calling you, I want you to leave. That first promise, Genesis chapter 12, Abraham is 75 years old. One's never too old. One's never too old. But the author is telling us, not only does God make a promise to Abraham, a promise that's repeated throughout his life, but that promise was confirmed. God didn't just make the promise. It's as if he confirmed the promise. He sealed the promise. And much is being made here that he did so by oath. And the question would be, to what, to what is the author referring? Well, I think if we go back to Genesis chapter 15, if you have your Bibles open yet, and we go back to Genesis chapter 15, I, I think we get a picture of what, of what the author is talking about, that he, that he makes this promise and that he swears this promise and he swears the promise by an oath in his own name. He doesn't swear it by anything else. There's nothing else greater by which he can take the oath. Right? When you and I, if we're ever called to, appear in a courtroom, at least up to this point in time, one wonders where it will go in the future, but up until this point in time, right, we, we raise our right hand and we swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me God. We swear to tell the truth by that which is greater than I, ourselves. But here's God. He's coming to Abraham and he's saying, I'm promising to do this, Abraham. Now who's he going to take an oath in? He's going to take the oath in the greatest thing there is, which is himself. So now that you found Genesis chapter 22, okay, or Genesis chapter 15, okay, pick it up with me at verse 12. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abraham, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in the land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, that they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterwards they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age, and they shall come back here. In the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. And when the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking firepot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. You say, what pieces? Well, God had given Abraham instructions back in verses 7 through 11. Abraham was to prepare Animals, birds, he was to take them, cut them in half, and lay them opposite one another. So that half the animal was on one side, half the animal was on the other side. 
So what we're told here is that now as the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold the flaming fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham saying, to your offspring I give this land from the river of, Euph of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenzanites, the Kadamanites, the Hittites, Perizzites, the Rephim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. What's going on? God is taking an oath. He is swearing by himself. He himself passes between these pieces. See, it was an old Middle Eastern custom at that important time, at that day and age of Abraham, that if you wanted to make a treaty with someone, and you were going to enter into a covenant, and you were going to make a solemn promise, you were going to make a solemn oath, you took an animal, split it in half, and then you both walked in between it. The message was this, that if either of you violated the promise, the covenant, the other had the right to cut you in half. Now notice what happens here. God doesn't make Abraham walk through it. Why? Because God knows Abraham can't do it. Abraham will fail miserably. Who does God find to seal the oath with? Himself. He himself walks between these animals. It is this that the Hebrew, the writer of Hebrews is saying. Since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself. Now that example, obviously, of Genesis 15 is a foreshadowing, isn't it? It's the promise of what is to come. The, the whole passage is filled, is it not? With allusions to Christ, the darkness, the deliverance, the oath, the promise, the sacrifice for us. God made a promise to Abraham. I'm going to multiply you. You're going to become a great nation. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. And Abraham, I take an oath. I take an oath. I'll walk between these pieces. I'll show you, I mean this promise. And as we read the text, verse 15, and thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. What did Abraham obtain? Well, he obtained the promise of God. What promise of God? That God would bless him and make his name great and that his descendants would be like the sand of the seashore. Let's see how that works out. 25 years after Genesis chapter 12, 
God finally gives him the son, Isaac. Oh, remember, Abraham tried to rush things. Abraham tried to do it his own way. And there we have the whole Hagar and Ishmael circumstance. But God made it plain. That's not the son I'm talking about. Sarah's going to have a son. Sarah. Not Hagar. Not somebody through Sarah. Sarah's going to have the child. 25 years. He's 75 years old. And he has to wait 25 years before finally God says, this is the son. This is the promise. This is the covenant child. This is the one that I promised you. 25 years. And what's he got? One child. 60 years later. He's got two grandsons. Only one of which is a covenant child. He's 160 years old. God promised, Genesis chapter 12. At 160, Abraham can look outside of his tent. And what does Abraham see? Abraham sees God's promise being fulfilled. Why? Because there's a whole bunch of his descendants. No, there's two. Two descendants of covenant promise. Abraham dies 15 years later. He never sees the 12 sons of Jacob. He never sees the tribes of Israel. Yet notice how the author of Hebrews phrases this. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. Why? Because scripture says that Abraham believed God. And when there was no hope, had hope. In the promise of God, Abraham obtained that which God had promised in hope. But you see, hope is not a wish. Hope is a reality. See, that's, that's what we've got to come to understand here. That's what the author is taking us to. That hope is not, oh, I really hope that happens. I, I wish that takes place. That's not Abraham. Abraham, for him, hope is reality. God promised it. God gave an oath. I see the fulfillment before my own eyes in my son Isaac and in the grandson Jacob. I see it. It is done. It is fulfilled. As far as Abraham was concerned, the promise of God was done. You say, wait a minute. He's only got two. What about all the nations? Turn with me to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3.
Pick it up at verse 6. Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. Verse 9. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Verse 14. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Go down to verse 29. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs, according to promise. See, what Abraham, what, what the passage here in Hebrews is saying is that Abraham with the eyes of faith, Abraham with hope that is a reality, knowing the surety of God's promise, knowing the surety of God's oath, saw in faith you and I. You and I and the millions upon millions upon millions and upon millions who have come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Abraham saw the reality of hope that faith gave to him. Even though he's just looking at a son and a grandson. The eyes of faith. He saw those who would be blessed as his offspring in and through Christ. Heirs of the promise. Now the author is, is bringing us there. Because he wants to bring us back to Christ. Okay? So remember, we're dealing with these Jewish folks, these Hebrew folks who, who are believers in Christ, but they're struggling. They're, they're tempted to go back into Judaism. And, and the author now is calling their attention and saying, think about Abraham. Think about Abraham and the faith and the hope that he had in the promises of God. And in the oath of God. And now, rather than centering on Abraham, who is brought to our attention, the author now turns our attention to God. Because that's where the hope lies. The hope doesn't lie in Abraham. The hope lies in God. And the object of faith is not Abraham. The object of faith... Is God. So notice what the author does. He speaks about now the unchangeable character of God. See that? Verse 17. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. Now think about it. The unchangeable character of God. Somebody told us that in the Old Testament. 
kind of a strange source. It's actually Balaam. If you go back to Numbers chapter 23. Numbers chapter 23. The oracle of Balaam. Remember, Balak's the guy who hires him to curse the people of God. Balaam is summoned as the false prophet to to carry out the work, but God's already told him, you can only say what I tell you to say. So we know that these words are not Balaam's words. These are God's words themselves. Verse 18, and Balaam took up his discourse and said, Rise, Balak, and hear, give ear to me, O son of Zippor. God is not man that he should lie, or the son of man that he should change his mind. He has said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it? Out of the mouth of this false prophet, God puts this word of truth that God is unchangeable. His character. Remember, this is the one who who went through the animals. This is the one now who, who went through, who made a promise to Abraham. His character is unchangeable. This is the one who made an oath. His character is unchangeable. So the author brings up the fact that now through two unchangeable things. What are the two unchangeable things? God's promise and God's oath. They cannot, they cannot be changed. Why? Because God is truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Your word is truth, said Jesus. God's unchangeable character means that the promise he makes and the oath that he takes make it an impossibility that what he has promised will not be fulfilled. And that what he has willed will not occur. It's got to occur. It has to occur. Because of the very character and being of God. So listen to the promise of God. Not as it comes to Abraham. But the promise of God as it comes to you and I. Turn with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 1. The book of Ephesians chapter 1. Blessed be, I'm at verse 3, excuse me. Verse 3, Ephesians 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. See, that's a promise. 
God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. That we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. To the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. Making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also... When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we, until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. God came to Abraham and he promised to make him a great nation. To bless the nations through him. God sealed that promise in that oath that he takes as he passes between those animals. The author of Hebrews is now saying, is he saying, God has made a promise to you as well. A promise that when you believe, when you believe, you are marked. By his Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit is a guarantee of the inheritance. That you shall someday have. And by oath. God has confirmed it. What's the oath? The blood of Christ. The blood of Christ is God's Oath that what he has promised will indeed occur. See, like Abraham of old, who has this promise from God, and yet before him stands Isaac and Jacob. For you and I too, we look and yes, yes, there's a sampling. Yes, there's a, there's a, a few tastings, is there not, of the glorious inheritance that will be ours in glory. But like Abraham, the author is calling us to hope, to hope that doesn't just, oh, I wish that's going to happen. No, that sees that, that glory. As the reality that Abraham saw in the promise of God. Knowing that when God promises by oath, it will occur. God has promised you and I, brothers and sisters in Christ. A glorious inheritance in Christ. And he has confirmed it with the oath of the blood of his own son. 
see with the eyes of hope the glory. Does it look like it today? Does it feel like it today? Abraham had those struggles too, didn't he? And God needed to keep coming back, reminding him, I've made a promise. I've taken an oath. And so tonight, you may be discouraged. You may be despondent. You may be down. You may be fearful. You may be losing hope. And God comes back this evening again to you like he came back over and over to Abraham and says, trust me. Trust me. Trust the promise that I have made, for I have sealed it in the blood of my son. So thirdly, we look at the promise in Christ from this. The promise in Christ. And note how he speaks now about an anchor. The fact that there is an anchor for his soul. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. Only four times, I believe I read in the New Testament, is the word anchor appear. The Hebrew people were not a seafaring people. They didn't spend a lot of time on the ocean. They didn't spend a lot of time on the Mediterranean. They didn't build a lot of ships. And so on. In fact, uh, when we get to Solomon, right, he's got to hire and buy some ships from from Hiram, okay, to to do the the trading with and so on and bring in all the exported goods because Israelites don't know how to do this. They're no good at it. They're, They're sort of a landlocked people. But it's an expression of the day, is it not? An anchor of the soul. An anchor, that which gives stability and security. That which holds us. Take the sheep, okay? Take the sheep, the four stanzas. My anchor holds, okay? And uh, we'll have Nicole play it through one time. And then uh, we'll sing through the four stanzas.
seated. Let's read it again. Listen to how the author puts this. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we have fled for refuge, might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of soul, a hope that enters in. The anchor is our hope in the rock of Christ. Our anchor is the hope that says, I hold on to Christ regardless of where life brings me, regardless of what life lays claim upon me. I hold to Christ. Our hope is in Christ. Now, I said a few moments ago that for a Hebrew, this is an illustration that they understand, they're aware of it, but it's, it's not out of their, as it were, their life. So notice now what the author does. A hope that enters in behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. See, now he brings it back. What is our anchor? Our anchor is Christ. Our hope in Christ, who is what? The high priest. The high priest who has entered in. He's the high priest who has brought the sacrifice. The sacrifice of himself. He's entered into the very presence of God. Presenting his own blood. The blood of the Lamb of God. Takes away the sin of the world. He's entered in. That's what's happening on the cross. He's entering into the holy place. He's entering into the presence of God, presenting his blood. What happened? Out of that most holy place, Christ emerges on that day of resurrection. He's alive! The shout goes out throughout the tribes of Israel gathered around the tabernacle, gathered around the temple. As the high priest emerges, he's alive! He's alive! The blood has been accepted. Our hope is in that high priestly work. Of Jesus Christ. That's why born in Bethlehem. That's why to those temple flocks. That's why Miguel Edgar. That's why wrapped in swaddling bands. That's why in that manger. That's why Bethlehem. Because he is our high priest. And as our high priest. That's our hope. 
not our wish, our hope that with the eyes of faith we see beyond this world. We see glory. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you. As we continue to delve now into, as he's introduced and reintroduced to us, Jesus Christ, the high priest. And we look forward, Lord, to, to delving into that again and digging even deeper into this work of Christ. Oh, Father, tonight we just thank you for the comfort. We thank you for the peace. We thank you for the anchor of hope of Christ. And in his work is our high priest. You've made a promise. You've made an oath. May we see the reality of the truth of that which you have done for us in Christ. In his name, God's people say, amen.